Welcome to East Meets West Spotlight Series, uh, the episode number 11. Uh, and this time we will be focusing on uh, one particular country in Central and Eastern Europe. So one country which is uh, on the on the region of, of East Meets West. And lately you heard about the country because the country made it to the world media and world news next to Poland, next to Russia. Uh, it is about the LGBTIQ situation in Hungary. And I have two guests here with me. I have Ludo Swinen and I have uh, Tamás Dombos. Now let me start uh, with Ludo. Probably some of you already know Ludo, but uh, how come that when we talk about uh, Hungary, he is on the stage? Because he's not Hungarian. As far as I know, he never really lived in Hungary. I think he had some occasional trips to Hungary, to Budapest and maybe to Miretasa. But the reason why Ludo is here today is uh, we have two weeks ago run quite an interesting uh, event uh, for our corporate uh, network. And Ludo will be talking about, so what did we learn from, from the corporate and what can be done even in this hostile situation in Hungary when it comes to workplace uh, inclusion and diversity. And uh, we have then Tomas, uh, Tomas uh, Dombos. He is uh, here on behalf of Hatter Society. So it's the number one for NGO in Hungary. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll start with you, Tomas. So who is Tomas? Tell, tell us in, in a few words. Uh, well, Tomas is a social scientist. So I have a background in economics and sociology and anthropology. Um, I used to work in academia. And then in 2007, I joined Hatter Society first as a volunteer. And then after some years as a staff member, I'm uh, mostly coordinating projects uh, on various aspects of LGBTQI equality, um, hate crimes, workplace inclusion, um, intersex and transgender rights, um, healthcare provision. I also help with the legal aid service of Hatter Society, and I'm one of the board members, so I have an overall responsibility for the organization as well. I don't know how much you know about our organization. We've indeed, we are the oldest and largest LGBTQI organization in Hungary. We've been around for 26 years, so quite some time. And we do service provision for LGBTQI uh, community members, uh, information and counseling hotline, in-person counseling, legal aid service, etc. And we also do advocacy, uh, training and research. I, I find the journey, especially for, with you, remarkable because you mentioned, uh, if I got it right, uh, you started uh, as a volunteer and now you are, you are a board member. Right. So you are partially running the organization. So how was the journey? I mean, you, you had to prove yourself or how was uh, that? No, at the time when I joined Hatter as a volunteer, I had a job in academia. I was working as a researcher at uh, Central European University. Uh, I was working on equality policies, so very close uh, topic. And uh, I thought that I could use uh, my academic knowledge to help the work of the organization. So I, it started as a, as a sideline job. And then in 2010, a new government came in and it, uh, it became very clear that they are not friendly to LGBTQI people. You know, just in the first few months, they proposed a new constitution and a new media law. So uh, I thought it would be, my knowledge would be much more beneficial if it's turned into a practical work than, uh, you know, writing academic papers. So I get more and more involved and then I started working on projects and at some point I decided, okay, this is going to be my 
main source of uh, income and living and not just do it as a side job. Well, I mean, congratulations for this journey. <laughs> this sounds quite exciting. I'll definitely come back to one of the points, uh, which is uh, the current uh, situation, because also you mentioned that ah, so there are some new new laws. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe few people or maybe everybody have heard about uh, the news from Hungary, but maybe not everybody understands so what it is, right? What does the law say? And uh, how can we how can we react and how corporates uh, can react? But before I, I ask this question, Ludo, when, when you think of Hungary, Mm-hmm. What comes to your mind? Well, I mean, Hungary, I mean, I've, I've been been uh, working and uh, living in Central Eastern Europe, and I still remember Hungary as as one of the, the, the most wonderful examples of a country making progress in LGBT businesses and LGBT the approach. It was a very nice town to Budapest was a great town to gay to go out as a gay person. There are places everywhere. It was really open. It was an example. It was the, let's say, like the big success also from the European Union, as far as civil liberties were, it was really the hope, yeah. And then, indeed, at a given moment, he had, I think, the, the World Games for sport, the Sport World Games. And then there was the mayor of, of, of Budapest, who, at that moment, he was uh, he was not longer elected. So everything that was planned before was cut. They didn't even have a stadium anymore. They had to find a place somewhere. I still remember that. And then when you went to a place where they're doing the sport, there were police in front of the of the place. It was a totally different country. Yeah? And that is what struck me most, because uh, Hungarians as such and Hungarian as a country is incredible, as all these countries are very, very dynamic, very beautiful. But uh, the learning is especially that, um, and I said that very often already to many people, also in the West, what we have achieved in the West, what we have achieved also in the East, the things, the, 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 the progress we made as community, don't take it for granted, you know. You just need one idiot politician who turns everything upside down. And it's very easy to get the people behind you when they have the TV, when they have the newspapers, when they have all the, the, the you turn around. And that is something that we always have to take into account, that it is not, not in concrete. Certainly not. We have to be very careful. We have to move forward. But certainly we have to also be prepared that when it goes wrong, we have a force against it. And what we saw, for instance, in Poland, in Poland is also the same situation happening. The positive thing is that due to what is due to what is happening in Poland, the organization, organizations, they are going together. They, they move together. They get stronger. So at the end, we will win, I'm sure. But uh, it's a very nice view to, to see what is happening. So but anyway, Hungary is now indeed, a, a, let's say, a problem child, which we focus on as, as also as East and East West. And what you're doing also, Tomasz, is clear. I was hoping, Ludo, to get some some uh, some more insights about your trips to uh, to Hungary, to Budapest. But uh, yeah, I understand uh, this will only come at the end of the of the spotlight. Yeah, we do but that. Maybe? Uh, but it's no longer recorded, so that uh, <laughs> well, um, that, that when my family would ever see this, they would not believe it. And uh, I'm still a very I mean, I was raised as a Catholic boy. I'm still a good Catholic boy for many people. That's the end of all of us. Uh, coming uh, coming back to Tamash, uh, is there any any ranking which would uh, which would kind of show whether there is a progress or whether it's really like Luro said uh, there is a decline with the progress when it comes to LGBTIQ inclusion and diversity in Hungary? Yeah, there is a very clear decline. Uh, ILGA Europe, the European Umbrella Organization of LGBTQI organizations, publishes every year an index of uh, countries of uh, the Council of Europe. 
And while in 2012, Hungary was a ninth on that list, so uh, quite a good position out of uh, 40 something countries. Uh, by now in 2021, we are 33rd. So we dropped uh, 24 places. And the reason for that is the adoption of restrictive legislation in Hungary in the past two years concerning transgender people and uh, famous propaganda law, but also a law on adoption, as well as other countries progressing. So the, the scissor is opening, so to say, because um, many countries are progressing, you know, adopting legislation on uh, marriage equality, on parenting, on trans rights. While in Hungary, uh, previously existing laws concerning equal treatment or hate crimes or registered partnership are still in place, but we have not adopted any positive laws for many years now. And unfortunately, in some areas, we've uh, even went back. Um, of course, the biggest attention was to the uh, anti-propaganda law that was adopted in uh, June this year. Um, it was originally planned to be an anti-pedophilia law uh, that uh, increases sanctions for pedophilia and, and, and uh, introduces a registry for sex offenders. But in the very last moment in the parliament, just a few days before the final vote, they introduced new provisions that bans access to content for minors that feature uh, LGBTQI people. So it's currently uh, illegal in Hungary to uh, grant access to minors to any LGBTQI content, whether in the media, whether in schools, uh, whether in business advertisement environments. So it has a very strong chilling impact. Uh, we see that a lot of people are uncertain about what is possible currently and what is not. And while the law has not been directly enforced, so we don't know any single case since July when it entered into force that it was actually employed, uh, it did impact uh, overall the political situation. And uh, many people are afraid that in the long run, uh, it will silence LGBTQI people and uh, make this topic a taboo again. And I th we know from history that when uh, this, these issues are not discussed, uh, people will have very uh, crazy ideas about who LGBTQI people are. Uh, so um, having access to knowledge, having access to um, LGBTQI people and their life stories is crucial to make people understand that you know we are not strangers, we are not UFOs, we are people that in some aspect differ from the others, but in many other aspects, we are just the same. This probably makes your life as an organization quite difficult because uh, if, if this would be the, the, the legislation, so how can you operate? How can you really do your work uh, across all of the spectrum of, uh, of the population? Yes, indeed. Uh, organizations that work in the field of education are specifically targeted. So while before they could, you know, go to schools and talk to kids uh, about LGBTQ issues if they were invited by the schools, that's no longer possible. Only it's only possible with a special permission. Uh, we don't have a school program, so we are not directly impacted by this. But we are, of course, impacted by the broader provisions in the law. Uh, for example, um, there is an ongoing investigation. This was started before the uh, adoption of the law, but you already saw that um, similar uh, mentality uh, is coming in with public authorities, that we, uh, we asked uh, one of the big commercial TV channels to air one of our advertisements. It was a small campaign video about rainbow families. And uh, there is now an ongoing investigation claiming that that video was harmful to children and uh, 
they want to find uh, the TV companies. So, you know, even if the law as it was adopted in June, July um, has not been used, even before the authorities in the past two years have started using broad provisions on the protection of children against us. Uh, so yes, it does impact our work. Uh, of course, our board got together and decided how do we deal with this and we decided we will not abide by the law. So our services are still available as they were. We didn't install any filter on our website. We still uh, carry on as we did before. And if we get sanctioned, then we will take it to court because we are sure that uh, ultimately this law will fall in the courts, either at the Constitutional Court in Hungary or at the Open Court of Human Rights because it's such a blatantly discriminatory uh, law that violates freedom of expression. So we are looking forward to the sanctions, to be honest. Is this something what uh, maybe only Hatter Society, so your, your organization, uh, is, uh, is of opinion? Or is this something as a, as a kind of reality in Hungary? Because Uh, I mean, we have quite some international listeners uh, to this uh, spotlight series, and uh, it's sometimes difficult to to kind of really get the the reality check. So, what is really happening in Hungary? So, we we know there is a legislation for, uh, which prohibits uh, uh, talking uh, and making the awareness about LGBTIQ in general uh, in front of minors. But uh, what's happening? Uh, in the street. So what's happening, uh, I don't know, in, in also the business environment? I think I think that the situation is very ambivalent. On the one hand, yes, you have very clearly increasing political homophobia and transphobia and all these laws that were adopted. But we also see a lot of, uh, a lot of people, individuals, as well as uh, companies, um, civil society organizations, you know, outside of the LGBTQI sphere, to stand up against this. Uh, we've seen a lot of professional organizations of teachers, of social workers, of uh, music industries, of book publishers that said that this is unacceptable censorship and that they would not abide by it. So there are, we already had companies that uh, clearly violated the law. For example, uh, one of the magazines, uh, major uh, monthly magazines, L, uh, published um, uh, an August issue on which on the on the cover page they uh, put a photo of a, a gay couple a lesbian couple and a straight couple and it was the most successful ever issue that i published it was it ran out of print in a few days time because there was so much interest for it um, there is a a storybook a fairyland for a fairyland for everyone um, which was published by Lovers lesbian association and it features all kinds of uh, classic and contemporary fairy tales Uh, with minority people, so LGBTQI people, Roma people, etc. And uh, this was this book was attacked politically uh, by first the extreme right wing and then the government, but it has become the most successful ever children's book in Hungary with over 40,000 copies sold. So you see the political attacks, but you also see the Hungarian society kind of fighting back. And, and making sure that people abroad understand that this is just our government. It's not the whole people. Of course, yeah, the government has some support, uh, but many, many people think that, that this is not the way to go and they reject it. And it's really interesting to see some statements coming from politicians. The justice minister just um, 
published an interview a few days ago where she said, oh, people misunderstand the law and that's why there is no public support for the law. No, people very much understand what this law is about. This law is about singling out a minority yeah. and making a political enemy out of that. And people don't agree with that. And that's why there is actually no support for, for the law and for the planned referendum. So it was not only the law, but the government is also planning a referendum on anti-LGBTQI, very stupid questions. Um, and it's, of course, all part of a political game, getting ready for the elections next year and mobilizing their core supporters. I love having you on on, on this podcast, uh, Tamash, because with this we we get this this really what's happening, right? This reality checks. I'll, I'll switch a little bit, and, and now a question to Ludo. Uh, East meets West uh, has recently run uh, an event. Mm -hmm. It's actually the start of series of events with a focus on Hungary. Uh, we call it sharing good practices uh, in workplace inclusion. Can you tell us a bit more about so what's been the motivation behind this? Well, it's not, of course, Paul, it's not a coincidence that we do this in East meets West. Uh, we are focusing on, on Central Eastern Europe. That is our, let's say, home market to say. And only it's one of the countries we focus on. So we have this element of, of uh, looking at what is happening there. And we saw things were happening there. And the element of, and we looked and most of the time also at the corporate element, what is happening in the corporate world. That's our focus point. But what really triggered our activity in, in this topic was that we got more and more questions, requests for guidance, as the Americans say, on how we deal as a corporate company, corporate, that has activities in Hungary, that has, as company itself, international company, it has in its DNA diversity and inclusion. So how do we, uh, how do we implement this in our Hungarian environment? Uh, if we don't have it yet, how we start it, if we have it, do we have to change something? So the question was especially triggered by the legislation, what is happening? So this was what we saw from all sides and therefore also we had previously did this, this, this conference, small conference, where we discussed this also with the corporates, because we wanted to know, we understood the problem of course, but we want to know what are their expectations, what do they expect from Hungary and from us also what is happening? And not only for that, because it was for them also, the same question for what happened in Poland, what do we do in, 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 in other countries, what do we do there? So what we did is in fact is look at the at the expectations, the requests, the, the needs of these corporates and how we could answer their, 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 uh, the question for, for help because they were a little bit troubled, clearly. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were doing also there. Just to get it uh, right, so is this something like uh, like internally in the company, so workplace really, or does it go beyond the, the walls of the company and uh, and uh, making things also external, so to the public? When we when we started with this, we started also with a relatively small group, and uh, in the beginning, for the moment, we just look at the at the company itself as a safe place for members of the LGBTI community. It's the the, the, the company itself. Um, do we have to do there something? Can we still do something? Are there limits to what we do? But I do not, uh, I do not, let's say, um, uh, I do not want to, to say that we will not do anything outside because we also saw that for some of these companies also were on the pride in Budapest. So they really want to show also what they are doing. I believe very much, but this was not yet the question, I believe very much in companies uh, using their social, their corporate social responsibility to make clear for the community they work in 
that they have a role to play also to be a diverse and included company. It's a better company, it gives better business. So there's also another element. We want to be diverse in our company. We don't because it's part of our all over DNA. So also in Hungary, we want to have our, our diversity policy implemented. But of course, at the same time, that you feel also when you talk to them that they are business people. They don't want to endanger the results of their business yet. And of course, there were in the past some things that if a company uh, showed show, showed that they were a favorite to, to, to LGBTI community, that they were afraid that they would lose business. There are other examples of that, yeah, uh, which is normally not the case. But that is also something they worry about. Like, can we be, how far can we go? But in the first instance, we were talking about the safe environment for their own employees within their Hungarian activity. I, I understand. <clears throat> so let's do the following. I, I would leave uh, this kind of like external exposure on Tamas. I think he is uh, the expert in this field. But uh, I would still ask Gluro. So, what is it that you you have learned? Uh, you have been doing an interview with a few corporates uh, around the situation in Hungary and uh, around the good practices. So, what would be the the good practices slash what could be the takeaways for other people to to get a bit of inspiration? We talked to, to people from, from four, uh, four corporates, large companies. We had one who was active in retail, one who was active in telecom, one who was active as, let's say, industrial, more industrial activities, and then the one who is more into the, the consultancy business. And um, we talked to them, we, we discussed with them, and we have differences, but you also see a certain line coming out. Uh, we see, for instance, that some of them say, well, how important is the backing of the head office? Yeah. They agree that the backing of the head office is important, but it doesn't. It, does, it is not a tool that says it will work. You certainly need in, in, internally also somebody who drives it, an employee that drives it. We saw it clearly. You need local people, and it's also important to identify the needs. Some companies said, "Look, how we do we do it? If we want to go to our Hungarian activity and we talk to the people there, we don't really bond them with what we want to do and our values and everything. We don't want to do that." They know that, but they have simple questions in the talks. For instance, they talk, for instance, often to the workers' council in this country, the worker council, and then they say, "But uh, what do you do, for instance, when uh, when uh, a gay couple adopts a child, or when two men or two women are getting married? Do they get the same advantages as a straight couple?" And then, then the question is very clear: like, no, but they should have. So this kind of approach, like identifying the needs with the people, it's very important. Um, Another topic is that if you have somebody there who is really driving it a little bit internally, it has to become, it is bottom up, it has to come from the people and grow above, that uh, that person can also uh, be, be it's needed. But on the other hand, the company itself might also need, uh, certainly in the beginning, um, some, some, some guidance, some learnings from diversity and inclusion, because this is something that uh, if you start as a company with this topic of you want to develop it, it is, there's a lot of know-how. I know that Hatter, for instance, is also available to give this consultancy to companies to move forward. Because very often for them, it's like the HR lady or the HR man gets this job and he, what the hell is this, yeah? And he doesn't know how to start. I think this is very important. Also, as for instance, the ERG groups are very important there. Um, but we also know that um, very often it depends that if you are a huge, let's say, global organization and you have activities in 100 countries, yeah? You have on in head office somewhere, wherever it is, you have a certain, let's say, guidebook, you know, the rules, diversity and inclusion is really into your head everywhere. But very often that's a kind of ivory tower feeling, yeah? 
then you have this and then you push it also to what it's very important that you look at the local situation the local needs um, and, and you have to push it but you have to understand first what is how does it work here some things might not work for instance if you are a company and you have something that you do in the states for example in the states it's a different world than what's happening in Europe, and certainly in Central Eastern Europe. Central Eastern Europe, it's, it's different, but the topic is the same. So we really have to look there. And then it's also important that that there was a, some there was a German company said, look, when our our uh, top people go to our Hungarian environment, they always have on their to-do list to mention that how is it working in your LGBTI situation? How is it working with diversity and inclusion? That topic comes always up in a meeting. And this is always like the push for the local people, like next time we won't have a decent answer. So these things can really work. And of course, we talk now about LGBTIQ, but it's diversity is, is, is also good for, for women, the position of women, the position of seeing, the position of handicapped people, uh, the position of, of Roma, certainly in Hungary. It's a topic that they know and it's part of it. And very often, I know with my experience that you, you, put, your, you put your LGBT wagon on the diversity train, but not as the first one. You put it normally at the end that you take it with you and they're most of the time the big drivers and then of course from a company we got also this advice from a company uh, that is really let's say a, a world leader on, on, on diversity and inclusion they say look uh, they were friends the advantage of them is that they did this kind of exercise in many countries they talked about mexico they talked about china uh, where in fact you have the same problem yeah you want to introduce this and for the people that are local it is it is something strange you know they 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 don't have this kind of what the hell is this why should we do this and they say you have to explain you have to educate the people uh why it is and what it makes sense and at the same time don't be angry if you move forward with little steps with baby steps you do it often with baby steps and but you measure it from time to time you measure it and you will see even if you do it with little steps in some, you will see progress and the progress motivates the people and this is what they do don't try to to change the world in six months it's not a project that you do in a company eh? it's really something that and there you see also that they say take it easy movement and and progress is also made with little steps it's very important you can measure it these were the things that we got from uh, from the corporates, and I think it was very valuable also to see how they react to it. Um, this is actually great to hear because it seems that uh, okay, there are some there are new legislations, uh, but it does not stop. It doesn't stop the corporates of uh, of like doing things uh, in the uh, in the workplace uh, environment. Okay. How is it uh, on the on the external? Like I mean, when when you look Tamash on on companies, uh, is now completely everything stopped and there is there is no no company actually visible when it comes to uh, standing behind uh, lgbtiq rights or how is the situation business-wise no actually we see an increase of interest in diversity and inclusion for lgbtqi people i think uh, broadly um, in in hungarian society but i think also specifically in the corporate sphere everyone was thinking oh everything is fine you know you have equal treatment legislation you have registered partnership what's more to do um, and i think this law and of course all the uh, political uh, homophobia around it uh, made it uh, made a lot of people uh, realize that no, there is actually a lot to do on LGBTQI inclusion in Hungary. So companies were saying, oh, okay, so um, if if this, this is happening in the 
uh, society, um, we maybe we should have something to do with it. Uh, we see that um, more LGBTQI people become volunteers and they want to be active and they push for change within companies as well. They come forward and say, no, our company should be at the forefront. We should uh, work on LGBTQI inclusion at the workplace. And they convince the leaders of, of companies to do that. Um, of course, the increased political attention globally uh, made some headquarters uh, also say, you know, you should do something about this in Hungary locally. So they get input or, uh, or, or pressure from their employees, as well as from uh, the uh, international headquarters of the company. So actually, we receive much more requests for doing trainings or uh, workshops or having discussions. Um, which is great because I think if we have those discussions in companies, um, more LGBTQI people will feel safe to come out yeah. at the workplace and that will encourage further steps to be taken. Um, when it comes to it kind of not just internal communication and diversity and inclusion, but more broadly uh, outward like advocacy or communication activities, we see companies to be much more cautious, uh, but we also see companies um, especially companies that uh, cater for youth um, or certain sub-segments of the population that they think, uh, you know, this is just for our target group, it should not be a topic anymore. Uh, it should be, they are really accepting and if we don't do anything, we might lose clients. So we, for example, have seen Viacom, so Music TV, uh, standing up very strongly um, I mentioned also some other media companies that, that came out strongly. Um, we've heard of one uh, cosmetics brand that will is planning to do a major campaign in Hungary. So um, actually, I think a lot of companies are uh, making sure that, that they don't let uh, this law silence them. And it actually encouraged much more activity on the ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy that we talked today because uh, it seems really that uh, there is an energy. There is an energy in the state that uh, despite uh, uh, all of this uh, new legislation, still not only on the individual, individual level, but also on the business level, there is action and there are things, uh, things happening. For those maybe who didn't yet do any action, so what would be, what would be the recommendation or would there be any advice from you, Tamash? So, should they do something or should they rather not do something? Should they wait for until next year or what would be your suggestion? I, I, I don't think there's any ever a time to wait. Uh, it of course doesn't mean that you should run into running a huge campaign without thinking through it. Uh, we've seen a company do that in 2019. They um, did a campaign in Hungary. Uh, which was an international campaign. They didn't think about the political climate and it backfired on them. So, um, mm -hmm. and they could have prepared for it better if they understood the situation. So we think it's always very, very important to understand the local context and whatever you know, global initiative you have, adapt it to the local context. Not be silent or not do it, just adapt it and be ready for what kind of um, input or feedback you might get on it. So we encourage companies to get in touch with LGBTQI organizations. It's not just hot there. There is Budapest Pride who's doing a lot of communication activities. If you're focusing on specific sub-segments, it might be the Rainbow Families Foundation or Lobbyist Lesbian Association. There is a rich uh, um, LGBTQI NGO community in Hungary. So find those partnerships, uh, understand the situation, 
and then make steps. Uh, we also think it's always very important to make the company internally uh, LGBTQI inclusive because before going out and publicly claim, oh, we are a champions of LGBTQI rights. And in the company, you have major issues in with your employees, for example. That kind of double standard doesn't hold. Uh, you have to make your company really and truly a welcoming environment for LGBTQI employees first, and then you can make uh, public communication around it as well. Cool. Uh, what you were now saying is, is this uh, making sure that uh, the company does the homework, like so coming back in uh, again to this, this kind of internal workplace uh, environment. Ludo, uh, what are now the plans? So uh, Ismi's first friend, the first uh, sharing good practices event. Uh, yeah. What's coming up next? Uh, are you thinking again, inviting uh, some companies? And why would somebody actually join? What What, what is there for the people? Yeah. I think you must be aware that the first time we, we had, it, as, you, as I said, we had this request for guidance from these companies. We tried a relatively small event uh, with only limited participants to protect their, uh, their, their, their situation. And uh, we also wanted to, to test the water. Yeah, what do they really want? What is possible? What is the need of these corporates? How do they look at it? And I think from our first event, we really saw that uh, there is a need, and there is also on the one hand there is a clear need. On the other hand, because we had I think a lot of participants from all over the world really interested in this topic and still sitting there with the question, what should we now do in Hungary? Should we there stop or push or whatever? Because as you said, uh, Tamás they don't know the situation in Hungary. They see something in, in, in a newsletter and that's it. And uh, we clearly saw that on the one hand, there is a need, an honest need to get information, to get help. On the other hand, we also saw a lot of know-how from people that have the experience, from companies, uh, big companies, corporate companies. And what we want to do is to, to continue this kind of regular events where we invite also corporates, that we had, we had already a lot of candidates who wanted to come, corporates who want to share their know-how on this topic. Because as I said, if you have a big company, they, they, they lift this kind of situation in other countries too. Similar, different, but similar. So they have a lot of things to give. And I think that we can also, with doing this, on the one hand, give these corporates a chance to show what they, the journey they make in this topic. But on the other hand, also give a lot of information on companies that are still questioning what they have to do, how to do it, and if they want to do it. And that we want to do with following up of, of events that we will organize as East meets West uh, regularly to see where it moves, because we will not let this go. It is too important, I think, to do this, not only for Hungary, but also for other countries, to, to be there really, to do our job as East meets West. Because East meets West, you know, we, are, we, we inform people, we inspire people, we try to activate people. Sounds like some some three important ending statements. Uh, but before I really close the uh, the, the session today and this, this spotlight, I have one question to Tamash. So we we heard that uh, okay. So you are trying uh, to do the best. Uh, you are still active despite all of the situation in Hungary. So you go through the challenges. How can people help you? So. Uh, I mean, if there is somebody interested in uh, in actually supporting you, what can the people do, or what can organizations or corporates, what what they can do? Um, of course, there are many things to do. Um, it's always good to just know that there is a there is interest in a company, and if 
we build those relationships. Maybe we don't come up with something right now, but it, it's a good uh, initiation of a dialogue. So the more of those kinds of relationships we have, the better. Um, we, of course, don't receive any public funding in Hungary. So uh, we need to fundraise for our activities. So if you have a corporate social responsibility program or some sponsorship program, or you run a grant scheme, uh, then um, it's, we're, we're really happy if you fund us or some other organizations in the country working on these issues. Um, if you are a brave corporate, then as I said, uh, disregard the law and do public communication around it and be ready for litigation. Uh, when it comes to litigation, we offer help. So we are, have a network of pro bono lawyers who are really willing to help companies if they are ready to challenge the law. So um, I think that's, that's, uh, that's the most important, not to remain silent, uh, but to, uh, to uh, uh, get rid of this law uh, as soon as possible. And if we just abide by the law, uh, it will stick with us. If people uh, not obey it and they go against it, uh, there is a chance of getting rid of it. Perfect. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure having you on board uh, to the spotlight today. Uh, for me, it was not only informative, it was the reality check, but it was actually full of energy and full of, uh, full of good, good, uh, good things which are ahead of us. And uh, it seems that, uh, yes, I mean, one thing is the, is the situation with the law, but uh, the second is uh, how organizations like East Meets West, but how organizations local like Hatter Society and others can really make things happen and, uh, and change again to the good, good progress. So thanks a lot for joining me and uh, I'll see you on the next occasion. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, so the recording has been started. Yes, Ludo. I know. Close, close the buttons. <laughs> you don't have, you don't have cravate, you don't have suspenders today, Ludo. No, no, what no. This is today relaxed. I'd only do that for funerals that I put on my... Uh, but the people know you. The people know you with suspenders. You are you are a legend. No, I'm now a pensioner. You have to see the difference between the active corporate guy and the pensioner, almost dying person. So therefore, I take it now relaxed. But don't be I afraid. See. If there is, if I die, all my suspenders are for you in my in my last will. You get all of them. I was hoping for something else, uh, but uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I make a fortune with suspenders from Ludo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it will be valuable in the future because it will be some kind of uh, a reminder of an icon. People are not so stupid, you know. People are also, when they have then the confrontation, they see people around them who say, I am gay, I'm lesbian, and you see them being happy, people change. I've seen it in, I come from Belgium, from Flanders, yeah, and I'm now old. So I've been there when I was 11 and 12, I was like lost in space. A very small village, very Catholic. We didn't even have a name. There was not a name for us, yeah? And I saw this changing also. And at the end, people at the given moment say, enough, it's okay. And now it is just standard. It is nice. So this will also happen there. It will take some time and people like, like, uh, like, like, like Tamash will, will help this because you are very crucial. If you don't have this kind of organization, it, it doesn't work. And there are many people, we see it in Poland in our, in our conference, we see it in Hungary. I'm always very positive about it. By the way, Pablo, can you also Photoshop video things? Can you show them? If you can Photoshop it, 
uh, I want to lose 20 years, 30 kilos, and I want to have a nice tan, okay? 